Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. A church has a vision, and our church has a vision. It's what we see as a congregation. It's our purpose for meeting and why we're here. And ours is to take the grace of God to the nations of the world. That means right here, not just getting on an airplane and flying to a nation, but right here as well. We all know, unless we don't ever read the news and we're living in a box, that the nations right now of the world are in trouble. They're always in trouble. I've, you know, I'm pretty old, and <laughs> I've never yet uh, lived one year of my life where the nations weren't in trouble. There's either been wars or rumors of wars my whole lifetime, and this is no different. There's wars and rumors of wars going on all over. And God has a solution for that. He has a solution, and it's called grace. It's called his enablement. It's, it's, grace is a word that means divine enablement. It, it, it can mean uh, uh, favor from God. Uh, G-R-A-C-E can mean God's riches at Christ's expense. It's one definition, or unmerited favor. Uh, but really what grace, charis in the Greek language is, it's, it's the divine ability that God has that he gives to us. It enables us to do what we can't do. Have you ever been up against something that, quite frankly, you just can't do it, you can't make it happen? And you think, my ability is run out here, I can't fix this problem, I can't, I don't have a solution to whatever this is. This is impossible. And isn't it good if someone outside of your situation that has uh, a power, maybe muscles, if, if you're pushing a car, where I'm from, we get snowed in and, and oftentimes your car will slide off the road back in, in Detroit. Uh, and it's really nice when other people, other motorists stop and they get out of the car and they push you out of the ditch or whatever that you're in. Uh, it's nice to have someone that has some ability that's outside of your realm. Well, God has a mighty hand. It says the mighty hand of God. A hand has five fingers on it, and grace, the number for grace happens to be the number five. And there's five letters in the word grace. And as we're unpacking our vision, we're looking at each of these letters in an acronym, G-R-A-C-E. Last week, we looked at the letter G in the acronym of, of grace. Does anybody remember what we looked at last week? That the G means gospel. The word gospel means good news, not bad news. God's not out to get you. We sang a whole lot of songs here that you may not have understood, but the overall message is God is good. He's, he's, he's there to save, not to condemn. And he's there on your behalf. He's a loving father. And that's, that's a pretty amazing thing that we call him father. If you didn't have a good father, a good dad, uh, sometimes that's hard to get past that. But you have to think that God is so in love with you, there's nothing he wouldn't do for you. He's not against you, he's for you. And his ability being for you is called grace. And the second letter we're going to uh, look at today in the acronym G-R-A-C-E, grace, 
because that's our vision is to grace the nations. It's to take God's divine enablement ability again to the nations. That second letter that we'll look at today is about reproduction or reproducing. But um, we're going to look at raising, the word raising for R and, uh, and how that works. So God enables us uh, to raise up future generations and existing generations in the faith. I want to go, uh, I want you to go with me over to the book of, of Ephesians. This is a, an awesome scripture to memorize. If you're new to the faith, take the time, write this one out and, and, and remember it. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. It says, for it is by grace, there's that word, unmerited favor, God's divine ability, his enablement to allow you to do or enable you to do what you can't do. It is by grace you have been saved. You say, saved from what? Saved from anything that wants to kill you. <laughs> Quite simple. Salvation, sozo, I'm not going to do a Greek language study, but the original word, it's, uh, it's not just going to heaven, certainly includes that, but it's everything. Everything from healing to uh, saving your bank account if you're destitute or you're poor. God wants to save you from everything that's against you. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith simply means trust, by trusting God, trusting that God is good, believing through faith. And this is not from yourselves. In other words, you couldn't push you out of the ditch. There's no such thing as pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. Try it sometime. You can't do it. Somebody else has to do it. And, and we do all that we can. Like, I understand that. I, I believe, you know, if it's, it's going to be, it's up to me. I'll do everything I possibly can. But then God takes over and does far uh, more and beyond that what I could ever do. This is not from yourself. This grace is not from you. It is the gift of God. That's what grace is. It's a gift from God. He's the gift giver, not by works, so that no one can boast. You see, if, if I could do it, I could brag about what I did. And lots of people doing that, bragging about their track record, how good they are, how powerful they are, how smart they are, how rich they are, how whatever they are. But this thing called grace has got nothing to do with me and how good I am. It has to do with how good he is. And it's a gift that he gives us. G-R-A-C-E. Five things that enable us to do what we can't do. Again, the first one is to share the good news, the gospel with people, to take the gospel to the world. And then R, to raise generations of strong believers. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. That's disciplined followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end 
of the age. That's why I've called this morning's message Raising Generations. Our mission is to raise generations, then reaching nations. So how is this going to happen? And this, I want you to tune in because this, the how is, is, it's always a big thing. Like how, Mary said, how is this going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you then and you're going to be with child. Well, I don't even know a man. How, how is this going to happen? <laughs> Whenever we're confronted with something that's impossible, that God says, I want you to do this. Think about for a moment, reaching nations, seriously? <laughs> you know, we, we're a drop in the bucket as far as the world's population goes. Raising generations, reaching nations, that's not possible in the natural. And I'm really glad about that because if, if we could do this in the natural, it wouldn't be God. Well, we wouldn't need God. Because grace, inherently in the definition of grace, has within it that you need God to show up or it won't happen. And it's his divine ability, enablement, to cause us to do what we cannot do. That's what grace is. Grace, again, the, uh, the number for grace is five. It's the hand of God. It's the outreach of God. Not to grab and take something out of you, but, but reaching forth to give to you. The mighty hand of God will lift you up and enable you to do what you cannot do. So how is this going to happen? Well, God gave Abraham and uh, three of the world's five major religions all have Abraham as their father. That's Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. All believe in Abraham. Father Abraham. He gave Abraham a commission. And it's a great commission. And it's not really different from what the commission that we have today to go into all the world, that the world will be saved. He said, I want you to go and bless the nations. That's the commission. I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to make you so rich that your descendants are going to be as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashores. I am going to bless you for a reason. Here's the reason. So that you can go and bless the nations. Not fight over everything. Not kill the nations. Not hoard up the blessings. But there's more than enough for everybody to be blessed. That was the commission of of three out of the big five religions. The only two, Buddhism and, and Hinduism, uh, don't have Abraham as a patriarch, but three of them do. And God's given us that commission, that common mission to go and do that. How is that going to happen? Well, I'm glad that he gave Abraham this instruction on the how. In uh, Genesis 22:18. Genesis is the book of beginnings, first book of the Bible, Genesis 22:18, and through your offspring, how is this going to happen? Raising generations, reaching nations, grace the nation. How is it going to happen? Through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Now, you know, there are a lot of offspring that came out of Abraham and Sarah. Sarah. There are a lot of offspring in the nations today that came from the loins of Abraham. The commission is, it's going to be carried out through your offspring. Generations, in other words. All nations on earth 
will be blessed because you have obeyed me. The ESV version says this, again, Genesis 22, 18, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice to go and bless the nations. The New American Standard Bible says this, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The NLT version says this, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. How is through the descendants? It's raising generations. It's not going to happen with one man with a plan. It's not going to happen through a particular religion or a denomination. It's not meant to happen just by uh, a slick sales campaign selling Jesus or selling God to the nations. It's going to happen by raising generations up through, through the offspring of faith shall this happen. Raising generations is not just some clever idea. It's making disciplined followers uh, of uh, from one generation, passing that on from one generation to another, God says, through your offspring, through your seed, Abraham, this is how this is going to happen. It's going to happen the same way today. Now, there's a difference between teaching someone and raising someone. You know, if you're a parent here, uh, there's a big difference between raising a child and babysitting somebody else's kids. Raising a child. Oh, gosh. You know, if you're a parent here, you know what I'm talking about. It takes incredible dedication. It takes resources. It takes commitment to raise a child. It takes energy to raise a child. Everything doesn't always go according to plan to raise a child. Raising generations is the same thing. Raising disciples or making disciples, uh, it, it's the same thing. There's a big difference. If you've ever raised a child, you know what I'm talking about. It's hard work, time, and energy, and resources. It takes grace to disciple someone. It takes grace to raise generations of strong believers. My ability runs out. Doesn't mean my patience necessarily runs out, and, you know, we raised a son, and Many of you have several uh, children here, grandchildren. It, it's, it's an incredible thing, and you can do it in the natural, but to raise spiritually, to raise generations, to make disciples of every nation, this is beyond just the natural uh, ability of parenting. This is beyond just teaching through a school. There is a difference between a teacher at a school and a parent in a household. What God's called us to be is more like parents in a household than just teachers at a school. I can teach, but that's discipling and raising generations goes beyond just teaching. If it was just teaching, this is doable. We'll just dive right into the Greek, the Hebrew. We'll do an exegesis. We'll do the hermeneutics. We'll look at eschatology. We'll look at all the other fancy theological words. And we'll just, we'll just break it all down. And everybody can just take notes. And they can walk out with a whole lot of knowledge. But raising and discipling are a whole different animal. 
Now, what is the difference? And, and, and we'll look at this. The difference is profound. Because raising is reproducing. I want you to get that. Raising is to reproduce. We are called to reproduce not just what we know, and this is the hard bit, but who you are. That's going to challenge you. It's challenging me. Because as a parent, just in the natural, I, I, you know, my parents used to say to me, you know, I'd look at them and I'd go, you're, you, you don't do it. You're not, you're not doing what you asked me to do. And they'd say something like, uh, well, do as I say, not as I do. It's like, oh, okay. So you're going to tell lies or you're going to get angry or you're going to whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, and, and, and you're going to expect me to do something different. Do as I say, not as I do. That doesn't cut it when it comes to raising generations, reaching nations. People are going to look at you. Are you going to lie? Are you going to get angry? Are you playing the hypocrite? There's a lot of hypocrites in the world today. <laughs> If it was just teaching, I could get up, teach you a bunch of stuff that really doesn't represent who I am. But raising, or discipleship, if you will, raising is reproducing. And reproducing means not just teaching you a bunch of stuff that I don't actually believe or do. Reproducing is who I am. Tracing my life out, Paul said. Trace, trace my life out, Timothy. You, 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 can, you can lay your life next to mine and just, as I imitate Christ, you imitate me. I'm not embarrassed about my character because I'm following Christ and I'm, I'm reproducing the Christ character in you. Raising is reproduction. Reproduction isn't just adding, it's multiplication. I looked... Um, I, looked at a few animals that have almost gone extinct. One of them um, was the blue whales and humpback whales and uh, other animals that have almost gone to, the, they've gone to the brink of extinction where there's just, you know, under 2,000 of them. Uh, the American bison was like that. Hardly any of them left. And now they're back roaming. Uh, you know, there's herds of them in North America again. And there's herds of, I think they call them herds or whatever they call them, of whales you know, out there in the ocean now, that, you know, of some of these whales that almost went extinct. And, and, and something called multiplication kicked in with reproduction. And that's how this happens with seed. You can take one seed, and, and it could be like an oak tree, an acorn or something, put it in the ground. And if that thing, that thing reproduces, it's not just addition, it's multiplication. There's multiple seeds in, in the fruit off the tree or whatever that plant is or the animal will reproduce. M multiplication is what kicks in with reproduction. And that's how this is going to happen. I look at God's mathematics and I scratch my head and I go, you're amazing, God. God wants us through, through reproduction to not, not just get into addition, but to get into multiplication. But here's the thing. If you're going to reproduce something, the original has to be the real deal. Now, old school, I don't even know if they have these in offices anymore. Maybe they do. I don't know. I haven't really worked in that kind of office for a while. But we used to have a photocopy machine. I don't know. Help me out. Do they still have those? Huh? Kind of? Maybe? Anybody? 
all right? They got some. And you, you would take whatever it is, you know, say, well, 50 copies. I want 50 copies of, you know, this A4 report. You'd put it on, you lift the lid, put it on the machine, put the lid down, push, you know, put in 50, push print, and, you know, out they would come. But if there was something wrong with the original, guess what you got? You got 50 uh, defective copies because the copy, the original that you were copying from was defective. If something was missing from the original, something's going to be missing in all 50. Then if you take one of the 50 and, and then you reproduce that, and pretty soon you keep reproducing copies of copies and copies. And before long, you'll probably have a blank sheet of paper. It's really important for us to know we are the original, we are, we are reproducing from the original the Christ character. Now, how does that happen? I've got a little formula that uh, will come up there. Raising equals reproducing or reproduction, and reproduction equals relationship. Relationship. See, religion reproduces rules a whole set of rules of behavior. Grace is not about a set of rules. Nobody keeps those rules. Wet paint, sign, wet paint. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to touch it. Whatever, if there's a line there, I'm going to cross it. That's, that's why God didn't give us a set of rules he gave us a relationship with his son so we could look at the character of Christ, who is love, whose character is not flawed, who is abounding in mercy, who's good to the core. And, and we look at him and we go, wow, I want to be like that. And as I'm like that, I can reproduce, I can raise up other people, reproduction. And that comes out of relationship. This is not hard. This is very simple. We're graced by God to raise generations that carry the character of Christ. Raising equals reproduction equals relationship. To have a relationship with God cannot be delegated. I can't delegate this. Again, going back to parenting, if I want my child to be a man of character when he grows up, which he is, I can't delegate that to the school. Say, okay, you guys, you teach him, and you, you know, make sure that he turns out to be a, a, a man of character. He's got a woman, a girl. I want her to be a strong, virtuous woman, so you teach them down there. But I'm, I, I don't live like that. I'm just going to, you know, live like I, I want to live, nothing to do with Christ or anything like that. What's well, not going to happen it comes out of the household of faith, which is what the church is to be, a household of faith. It's us working together to raise generations. Raise up a child in the way that they should go. They will not depart when they get older. Now, we have people that come to Christ of all ages. So we're not just talking about our Sunday school program next door. There are people here that came to Christ later in life. And uh, you're sitting here and you know what I'm talking about because you're pro you know, possibly one of them. You needed to be raised. You're a, you're a generation that need, needed to be raised up. That would never happen just through teaching. Teaching's great. I teach and nothing wrong with that. 
But it's better to look at somebody that's a really living example and watching their character and watching how they behave and listening to how they talk. And who we are challenges us more than just what we teach. Raising generations, reaching nations means we have to have relationship with God so that we can reproduce believers that are strong out of that relationship. Because with God, all things are possible. So for all things to be possible, for grace to kick in, I have to have a with God relationship to reproduce Christ. The most important qualification to raising generations that reach nations is your relationship with Christ. My relationship with you will be as good as my relationship with God. But flip that around, it's true as well, that my relationship with God will be as good as my relationship with you. In other words, if I can't learn to forgive and walk in forgiveness and harmony with you, I can't then say, oh, I've got this really tight, awesome relationship with God, but I don't forgive anybody. I've got this, me and God, you know, it's just me and God. Probably heard that before. (laughs) That doesn't fly, I'm afraid. It's not just you and God. It's not good that man should live alone. That was the first thing that wasn't good that God said way back in Genesis. You've got to learn to live with people. When they covered themselves up with fig leaves, it was the worst thing ever because the leaf detached from the plant was destined to die. So how long are those fig leaves going to cover, cover you up until they wither up and fall off as dead leaves? And that's what religion does. Relationship is different than that. Relationship has to be connected to the vine. It has to be a living, thriving relationship with God ongoing for us to reproduce that in other others. Our relationship with God is as tight and as strong as our relationship with each other, and our relationship with each other is as good as our relationship with God. It cannot be just one, live like the devil, live how we want, and say that we're good with God. That's not the message. How are we going to reproduce and raise generations through relationship, walking through trials? Now, the currency because there is, a, there is a, an economics to this. The currency of relationship, if it had a currency like our currency, the Aussie dollar, other places, there's the peso and the, the mark and um, the yuan and the ruble and other countries. The currency, if, if relationship had a currency, I believe it would be grace. Grace is the currency of our relationship. It's, 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 it's easy to look at the currency of this world. And again, not just whether it's the dollar or whatever, but the economic, the economy, the economic way that the world works. And, again, and it works on works, W-O-R-K-S. That's why it says it's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of works, lest anybody could boast. The currency of grace versus the currency of this world, which is works. So works is based on buying and selling everything. You buy because you sold, whether that was your time or whatever it was. It's based on supply and demand. There's a supply and demand curve to everything. 
if, if the supply goes down, something's in tight supply and, and the demand is high, the price of, of the goods goes up. Gold would be something like that, diamonds. They're, they're, they're worth a lot because of supply and demand. The economy of this world is working and saving and, and winning and losing. I always tell winners and losers. Favor and favors, friends with benefits. Like that's, that's all according to the economy of this world. Grace has an economy, relationship rather, has an economy, and it's not based on buying and selling, supply and demand. It's not hoarding up it's, and making something of short supply or, or working and saving and all the rest of it. It's, it's based upon one thing, the ability of God. God is not short in resources. God is not short in anything. There's no shortage when it comes to God. And God's economy is giving and receiving, not buying and selling. The economy of God runs on grace. Now, this is important, and we're going somewhere with that. So think for a moment about relationships that you have right now. And some of your relationships right now might be failing or struggling. And the tendency in that is to resort to this world system or economy. And, and, you know, that can be in a marriage. Well, you know, I'll give you this if you give me that. So there's a tug of war. I've met with people in, in, in marriages before, and, and they're both bankrupt. In other words, emotionally, they don't have it to give. They're burned out on whatever. And one's strangling the other one, saying, if you put the capital up, this, this thing's going to work. But you put the capital up. Well, I don't have it. Well, I don't have it either. Ah. Somewhere in there, you got to get it. And it has to come from a source outside of yourself. That's where grace kicks in. It's, it's, again, it's God enabling you to do what you cannot do. The economy of grace must must surpass the economy of this world. We switch out of the economy of this world. You need the grace of God to touch that relationship because what grace touches, the ability of God touches. When grace of God is on your life, you will defeat every enemy that is, that is against you right now. Always, every problem, every issue. Some deny the issue, others are defined by the issue. But God's grace redefines your issue as God's opportunity. Whatever that issue is that you're facing right now, God's saying, this is my opportunity. Do you want to call upon me? Or are you going to continue killing each other? <laughs> Which is what the world's doing. God wants to show up in your situation because your problem's not permanent unless you make it permanent. So how do I appropriate grace? Or how is grace activated? Hebrews 4.16, another great scripture for you to memorize and write it down. Let us then approach God's, get this, this is so good, I love it. Let us then approach God's throne of grace. When I think of a throne, I often think of the Wizard of Oz. You know, they walk in, Dorothy and the Tin Man and the Straw Man and Little Toto, and they walk in there because, you know, they're trying to 
Each one of them's trying to get something. Little Dorothy wants to go back to Kansas. I don't know if you saw that movie, it's really old. And, uh, and there's this guy behind a curtain. He's, you know, the wizard <laughs> pulling levers. Oh, dare you approach the great wizard. <laughs> all this stuff's going on, thunders and everything else. Oh, they're all like scared till they see that there's a man behind the curtain, which he usually is. <laughs> Now think about approaching God's throne. This is God. This is the God that thunders. This is the God that created everything. This is the God that holds my destiny in his hand. He's the God that can send me wherever he wants to send me. How am I going to approach him? Well, this tells us how to approach God. His throne is not a throne of judgment. It's going to kill you, and you better look out. It's a throne of grace. <laughs> How good is that? Seated on the throne of grace. How do I approach a throne of grace? It's easy to have relationship with the grace giver. Get to know the one seated on the throne. When he's your best friend, you don't have to worry about approaching that throne because it's a throne of grace in time of need. Again, that scripture says there, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So many people, the way they approach God is based on their merits and their track record. They think, oh, I've been good enough, now I can pray. I, I, I've earned it. And, and, and sometimes, you know, people will come to God, and I've, I've done this before, come to God, and it's like, well, you know, God, like, uh, I, think I, I think I had a pretty good week this week. Those usual things that, you know, I sin and do and all the rest, of I didn't do them. I abstained from, you know, overeating or whatever. I, I, I didn't tell any lie. I, I had a good week this week. God, I'm going to approach you in prayer and ask for something based upon my track record. You never approach a throne of grace based on your track record. You approach it based on his track record. It's not based upon your goodness. It's based upon his goodness. Oh, I find that so amazing. It's like, can it possibly be true? That's why the G in our, in our vision, G-R-A-C-E, the G stands for the gospel. It's the good news. It's so good. A lot of people struggle with it, especially religion-based uh, theology. God's seated on a throne. How do I approach? I approach grace by getting to know the grace giver, truth and mercy and love. That's, these are his attributes. His economy is run by grace. Instead of trying to get God to give you something when you approach his throne of grace, and that could be through prayer or worship, a better question to ask instead of trying to get him to give you something is what's stopping him from giving to you? Instead of trying to get God to give you something, ask what's stopping God from giving because it's God's nature to give. Grace is activated by the giver, not the receiver. God is love. Love is generous. His supply, if it isn't flowing, it's not God holding back it's somehow me blocking 
his supply from coming towards me. So how do I approach a throne of grace? Well, how do you approach a generous person that happens to be your best friend? And if he's not, make him your best friend and get to know him and realize he's generous. How would you approach such a person? And if, the, if, if, if your approach is that, God, you owe me something because of my track record, repent of that, change that, because that's, that's not the way to appropriate grace. You can't manipulate God based upon your good works. You don't approach a generous person with your merits. That's the wrong economy. That's working for wages. You appeal to God based on his goodness, not yours, by acknowledging who he is, not what you deserve, and getting your focus off of you and onto him. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, it's strange. It's a strange paradox that God created us in his image, yet every day we recreate him in ours. <laughs> we, we, we recreate who we think God is based on, on our own image of who we think we are and how this whole, whole thing should work. See, Satan's plan is to get you out of the garden into the field so you can start working for him instead of being blessed and walking in the grace of God. Keep you out of the economy of grace. Keep you out uh, of giving and receiving and get you back into buying and selling. He wants to convince you that you can only approach God based on your works. That God's supply is not your supply. That grace is somehow going to run out. Well, he has sons and daughters and you're not one of them. God, God has sons and daughters and you are one of them. When you approach grace and the distance between the supply, if you will, and, um, and, and receiving the distance between the throne of grace and where you are, if there is a distance between that, it's called fear. Fear. I remember somebody said once, and I thought it was amazing, that when you agree with a lie, you empower the liar. You empower the lie. And when you agree with a liar, a, a, you, you, you empower the liar. So right now, if there's a distance between the throne of grace and where your life is right now, you need the grace of God. And for us to raise generations and to reproduce the original and not something flawed, we have to, again, have genuine relationship. And the distance between where we're at in our relationship and the throne of grace, it's probably fear. It's probably been sold a lie. Instead of empowering the liar who's deceived the nations, why don't we right now make a correction and draw close to the throne of grace in time of need, which should be always. When we're thinking about raising and discipling the nations, we put that in the two hard basket. That's a vision that's just, well, you know, that it's not going to happen. It will happen through our seed, spiritually speaking, not just physical, through our offspring, those that come to faith here, that we get the privilege 
of raising up and discipling. That's how that's going to happen. It's going to happen, though, through a group of people that are serious about their relationship with God. Serious enough to go, is my life worth reproducing? Or do we have some work? And if you have some work, that's, that's okay. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Allow God to give you his ability to do what you can't do. If you're a parent here, it's not just raising kids any, any which way. It's raising children in the faith so that they believe, they have relationship with God, so that later in life, they're not going to make dumb decisions. And if they do, they're going to come back to God. For us as a church to make disciples means that all of us have something that we're reproducing through relationships here. But let's have a strong relationship with God. It's not just what we do and making a bunch of plans and setting goals. It's who we are becoming. I think you get that message if you've been here any length of time that, that, that that's how this is going to happen is for us to get strong in Him and for us to then reproduce that through our relationship with each other coming to God first. Amen? That's where we're at. That's our vision of grace in the nations, raising generations reproducing who we are through relationship, coming boldly to that throne of grace. If you're here right now and you don't know Jesus or you're away from him, I want to give you an opportunity to pray after me in a moment and for you to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. And you can give your life to him and step out of the economy of your own good works, knowing that you're really not that good anyway, into something genuine called grace. You can step into God's economy of grace and let his ability flow into your life. The first step in doing that is to just ask him into your heart, to give him your life. If that's you right now, I'd like, I'd like you to pray with me. We can all pray together. And uh, I, I'm going to give you this opportunity to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. If, you, uh, if you've done this for the first time and you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one free of charge there, uh, at the information desk. There's Bibles there. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of resources there you can just pick up and start to get to know God and, and grow in your faith. There will also be some people back there that would love to meet you and uh, to take the yellow card if you fill that out. And they help get you in the right direction so you can start to learn about God and, and, uh, and develop a, a strong faith. It would be our privilege. But it all starts with the decision right now to, to turn from going your way to turn toward Him. And uh, that decision is in this prayer right now. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you've never asked Him to come into your heart, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Dear God, I accept your son, Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net. Or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.